Good afternoon, Skillman family. Welcome to this episode of Continuing the Conversation. Uh, this is your host, John Mark Davidson, minister at the Skillman Church. It is such a blessing uh, to be here today. Jake, unfortunately, could not join us at this moment in time, but he'll be back uh, the next episode. Uh, but we do have a very, very special guest with us today, someone who uh, really, I think, will bring a lot of insight and joy and, and comfort and, and uh, really wisdom to this time that we have right now, especially in quarantine and during this coronavirus. And many of you know her, many of you love her, everyone knows her name. Her name is Rio Vejar. And so uh, Rio, if you could just say hello out there to uh, the Skillman listeners. Hi guys, I hope this message finds everyone well. Um, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Uh, Thank you for your time. I know that time is so valuable. So for anyone listening right now, it's nice to be with you. So uh, Rio, uh, man, tell us a little bit of your story. Where were you born? Uh, what church did you grow up in? <laughs> you know, uh, what, yeah. Where the journey of life, where it's taken you. I know you are beloved in the Skillman family. A lot of people know you and they love you. And, and uh, you know, for those of us who are new to, this, to the scene, how come you are so popular at Skillman and so loved <laughs> and everyone knows you? Uh, what is your story? That is funny. Um, okay, so yes, I feel like I have been going to Skillman for as long as I can remember. Um, I was not born in Dallas, Texas, so that's kind of fun. I was born in Florida, in Naples, Florida, a little town called Naples. Um, and actually, my parents were separated at the time I was born. <laughs> So, yeah, they were not together. Anyway, part of the stipulation of mom coming back to Dallas um, was that um, they needed to start finding a church home and trying to figure out my parents, their path um, to having a relationship with God together. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) So fast forward to about... I don't know, probably four years is when I remember going to like Sunday school. My mom was cleaning houses for women at Skillman. They, um, she was like a housekeeper and, um, some of those Skillman women had invited mom to, um, Bible study. Wow. And yeah. (laughs) So my parents, um, that's how we started going to church at Skillman. And, you know, some of the people that I remember growing up are still there. Some are not. Um, yeah. But it's always felt like uh, a second family, if not, of course, my first family, because yeah. as Christians, you know, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But I consider people at Skillman like family. Wow, and, um, beautiful. What a beautiful sentiment. I mean, oh, it's so, saying a lot because family is a big deal to me. <laughs> I would imagine. I mean, speaking of your family, I mean, you have two sisters. Is that right? Uh, I do. One is older. One is younger. Um, Cecilia and Lisa. Great, great people. Yeah. And, and so when you were born in Naples, Cecilia w- was there and your mom was there, I guess, in Naples, Florida. And uh-huh. your dad was, was here in Dallas. Is that right? That's right. Um, my sister was in Florida uh, with my mom, and mm. 
they, my parents, when they got, it's funny because my little sister was also born in Florida. So. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> wow. All so, um, so I guess that means my parents were trying to figure it out and then my mom went back to Florida, but, um, Hey, it always, it always gave yeah. us a reason growing up to go back and visit my aunts and uncles in the, at the beaches. So I'm not upset oh, about that. Um, but yeah, I, I love that about my parents' story is that it is full of love, but it is not a perfect story. And that has been very important for me to understand when I think about human dynamics and relationships. Um, I, I love the grace and forgiveness and commitment that I've seen my parents demonstrate. And um, so, yeah, my sister, my big sister was being raised, but at the time by my grandma, my, mm -hmm. um, my mm -hmm. mom's mom, yeah. which, yeah. which was kind of a trend in my mom's family. A lot of her children were raised or grandchildren were raised by their mom, which was really? an interesting wow. thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so when Big you, time. what, what age, were you when you moved back to, to Dallas? You may have said it, but remind me one more time. How old were you? I feel like we were, like, I feel like I was probably anywhere between four to five years old, probably four years old, because I remember going to kindergarten in Dallas. So mm -hmm. I must have already been in Dallas as a, a little older than a toddler, which yeah. is when I think early childhood, I think like a four-year-old. Um, but yeah. So, and uh, I guess that's when my parents started attending Skillman. Man, and they talk about rock stars. I mean, uh, Frank and Sarah Behar, again, names that everybody who knows them loves them. They're just sweet people, <laughs> uh, kind soul. I mean, really, I love, I love your parents. They're just great people. And I, I love all your family, uh, Lisa and Cecilia, uh -huh. just, just a great, great family. So when you came back to Dallas, you went to school kindergarten, and then did you graduate high school here too? Yeah, I graduated um, I, and I always loved school, which oh, is probably man. why I'm currently an educator. Yeah, you're still, you're still, uh, in it. You're still doing it. I'm still loving yeah. school. Yeah. Uh, graduated high school and, um, my, I knew I was always going to go to college and I was going to be the first person in my, um, family to graduate from college. My big sister went to Oklahoma Christian. I know that Troy Gibson, Troy Meyer Gibson mm -hmm. helped my sister, um, they helped her get her connected at Oklahoma Christian University. Wow, and, cool. Um, I had no idea about that. <laughs> yeah. And so as a young girl, probably 10 years old, I drove up to Oklahoma to visit the campus with my sister and brother. Um, it's not brother, my dad. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. my brother in Christ, my dad. No, um, <laughs> I, visited, I visited the campus, but I never knew as a 10-year-old that I was going to be there 10 years later. It, wow. So then I graduate from Dallas school and I got, I went to community college and I remember talking to someone at Skillman and saying, they were like, you know, so caring Rio, what, what are your plans? Where are you going to college? And I said, you know, I think I want to go to get bachelor's degree, but I don't know how or where. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they told me to email someone named Marianne Lawhorn and I emailed her yeah. and she oh, yeah. just, by the grace of God said, Hey, Rio, we're going to pay for everything for you to go to Oklahoma oh, Christian. Are you serious? A full ride. Holy. Smoke. Yeah. Man, it's so cool. 
they only do that for the the best and the brightest. So congratulations, <laughs> congratulations on oh, that. It's, it's funny because I, um, you know, I grew up doing things like leadership training for Christ. And I remember Ruth Ann Prude once had me in a Christmas musical. And oh, wow. I, at the time was, man, I can't thank the Skillman family enough for just shaping me and giving me so many life experiences. Um, I, when I was 18, I was offered an opportunity to do mission work in Australia for six weeks. What? Um, Yeah. You do it? And um, I did it. And Skillman members gave me their, they were the Lunas, the um, Lunas, Alan and um, Linda. (laughs) Alan and Linda Luna gave me their frequent flyer miles and they paid for my round trip to Australia at 18. It was amazing. (laughs) I tell you one thing, that's one thing about the Skillman church that I've been a part of just in my, my uh, three short years here. uh, Generosity is something that this church does very well. And I think they live into that. And what a, what a testimony that you're sharing right now of these stories that really no one knows about. Um, just the small acts of generosity that, that really permeate through the body. That's cool. That's really cool. And so, Oh uh, yeah. Skillman has modeled that generosity for me. And, um, you know, as a, as a Hispanic female, Mm. that was interesting for me to see because I was aware that I, you know, growing up the Skillman looked a little different than it does now. And um, my family, we were some of the only few Hispanics. So I wow. I think about race kind of being a thing at, in, in the global church almost. Yes. Um, yes. I think it's something we can work on getting better at. But mm-hmm. all, all I can say is that at Skillman, I never felt different. I just always felt loved. And um, wow. that was pretty cool. Man, that does say a lot. And it sounds to me, too, that your time at Oklahoma Christian was very positive as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, so so Australia for six weeks when I was 18. I also want to mention this. I was able to go on a ski trip at 16, and um, whoa, that, whoa. that was something I wouldn't have been able to do. But I'm just so, like, back to that generosity. It was so cool. Yeah. So then I go to Oklahoma Christian, and I'm a little nervous because I thought, oh, all these people are going to already have friends. I'm different. I, um, I hope, I hope nobody notices me when I get there. I just hope I blend in and no one uh, can see me. Yeah. <laughs> that did not happen. As soon as I got there, I got there in the summer and I met some super cool potluck friends. We, it's so funny. We zoomed last week and I would have never known that these these friends I met that summer would be best friends 10 oh, years later. That's so cool. That is it's really cool. the coolest thing, but yeah, they, um, and like I said, even when I think about race there at Oklahoma, they, my, my good friends now at the time they were like, Rio, are you Mexican? Do you speak Spanish? And <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do speak Spanish. Um, yeah. But we did some fun trips there. We went to um, do mission work in Mexico with the Church of Christ there in Oklahoma. Yeah. And um, and I got to study abroad when I was at Oklahoma Christian. Oh, my. Where did you go? Where did you study? Yeah. We stayed six weeks in Vienna, Austria. 
we stayed in a castle there. And mm -hmm. um, wow, that's, and that's too bad accommodations. <laughs> not bad, <laughs> but on our way to <laughs> you guys are in a castle. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, asking you receive, asking you will receive. I wasn't <laughs> sure how I was going to pay for this, so I asked, and the same people that offered to pay for school. And might I add $600 every semester for books and supplies. Ooh. I said, hey, I'd like to study in Europe for a summer. Can I? And they said, sure, go for it, Rio. And that was awesome. Oh, hey. man, this is the way, this is the way world, the world should work. You know, I think that just people who have great potential, who are looking for you know, just a little bit of a, a hand up and assistance, you know, not just to better themselves, but just that open hand of generosity. It's a really beautiful thing is because really you've done some great things with your life. I mean, uh, to fast forward where you are now, I mean, you are mm -hmm. a Dallas ISD counselor and uh, it seems to me that becoming a counselor is a hard thing. I mean, you, it's almost like you gotta be a teacher for a little bit. And then <laughs> once you're, you have some years of experience in the classroom then you have to get some more certification. And then once you get those certifications, you can apply for a counselor. And from what I understand too, there's like only one counselor per campus, right? So yep, it's yep. like, uh, you, you really, once you have that job, it's almost like, uh, it's like the Supreme court, you know, <laughs> <laughs> openings don't come up very often. You just kind of, you got to take it when you can, but, uh, <laughs> do you like your, uh, what's, well, let me ask you this way. What's the best thing about being a public school counselor and what's, you the, know, worst, what's the worst thing about it? Oh, okay. Wonderful. Um, it's crazy. John Martin, before all this stuff happened and the schools um, were closed for now, um, my favorite part of the day was the morning greeting where I stood and I shook hands with every student and welcomed them into the school. Wow. And I gave hugs and, um, and I am really missing that part of my, of seeing my kiddos. Yeah. But just knowing them each by name, my goal for school is I wanted it, I want it to be a safe place for kids. And that most people will say, Rio, how do you know their names? And I just love making people feel special. Some of the kids will look at me like, I only told you my name two times. How do you remember? Um, <laughs> <laughs> two times. I love it. I do. But I love, I love, I think, um, I do think God has given me that gift to, to, to work well with people. I, mm. I feel like I'm, I'm living in my um, purpose when yeah. I am loving people. Oh, wow, man. And as a counselor, yeah. that is, that's the role. I mean, you are there in a lot of ways as like a, like a pastor, you know, like you're, you have that, you are the, the school really feeling that pastoral role uh, to walk with children in times of confusion, of times of disruption, times where mm -hmm. there are issues within the home. And uh, I mean, you are really, your job is meant to be there for those children at those times, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, I mean, is that, oh, what yeah. is the hardest thing about that job? Is it that aspect of it or, or you know, enlighten us who, who aren't, aren't there? What's, what's the hardest thing about being a school counselor? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say that is the hardest part is that like you said, one counselor, 458 students. And I know that even if I do know 425 names that I still don't know all of their stories. And there's probably 
some hurt there that I, I can give them a hug and a smile, but I don't have all the time mm. to listen to everybody's story. And I do my best to let the kids know, hey, reach out to me and talk to me. But it makes me sad to think there are stories I'm not catching on to. Yeah. Um, for really lack of this time and availability. Yeah. Is there, is there a common thread, a theme that you really witness a lot in your office? Like, you know, for example, if you had 10 kids that came into your office, right, to, to share some, some, I guess, feelings that they're having or, or trauma, is there a common thread, the most common thing that you have to deal with as a, as a counselor in, in the public schools here in Dallas? Yes. I would say there are two themes, and I almost think they're interrelated. Mm. Um, a lot of kids wish they could have more one-on-one time with their parents, mm. and that's mm. hard because mm. parents have jobs and technology is addicting, but... I think kids just want to have five minute conversations with their parents every day. I, um, I find that as a theme. The other theme is kind of like a self-esteem struggle. They are struggling to meet academic requirements and that, or, or beauty standards or coolness standards if you're a young man. And Mm -hmm. I think that self-esteem especially with that technology overload, it can kind of mess with them. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, Yeah. I say they're interrelated because I think when parents are able to spend more time with kids face to face, that reassures children that their worth isn't based on likes or technology or grades. It's based on their worth in Christ. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that when you're a child, a lot of that comes from your parents telling you those Mm. things. That's so true. I mean, even how parents introduce their children. I mean, sometimes when they are introducing their kids to someone for the first time, I mean, they'll say, hey, this is Johnny. He's a really good soccer player. Or, hey, you know, this is, this is Sue, and you know, she's got a really good voice. And I think, you know, those are innocent, innocent actions, of course, parents expressing ways in which they're proud of their kids. But if you look at the subliminal, the subliminal message there, it's that, you know, the kids are listening, and they're saying, well, I guess my parents value me for my accomplishments, whether that's in sports or whether it's in music. And, uh, you know, I wonder, I, I think about when, when Jesus, um, in the stories in scripture, when he was baptized and he came up, uh, the words that came from God, you know, from above, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. I mean, that was it. Mm-hmm. It was yep. just the fact that his heart was beating or, you know, that he was breathing. That was what was proud. This, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. It right. Was, this is my son who can write a really great essay or, you know, uh, or makes good grades or yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easily, it's, that's so, like you say, it's so easily to get caught into a trap that really can mm-hmm. even filter into adults the, where our worth and our, I guess our, our reason for being on, on, on earth is tied to how much money we make or what car we drive or, the kind of the, the size of the house that we have, but man, if we could teach our kids young, then they, they can learn to be free. I mean, that's what the gospel is. You're free from those things that entangle you. Uh, right. So I mean, those what, earthly things. Yeah, exactly. 
I mean, so what advice do you give to the kids when, whenever they come in there? Like, what's your kind of your st- your response? I, I know it's personalized, but you know, kind of what what generally do you say? Oh yeah. So it's funny because our thoughts. There's a lot of type of solutions focused counseling approaches and um, or cognitive behavioral, which means essentially our thoughts and how they transform our mood and our behaviors. So one of the first things I have to tell kids is that they have to, it's funny because it's, I when I was in grad school, I thought how interesting it was, the Bible and the techniques that were taught, the, the mm-hmm. correlation, such as to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ or set your mind on things above or anything that is good or lovely or excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Oh, Essentially, yeah. Talking to kids about positive self-talk and redirecting thoughts is about taking control of your thoughts. So if you are an upset child, reminding yourself that, hey, I am here, I am worthy, I am loved. I have them write down a lot of positive self-talk and it just breaks my heart sometimes when they're like, no, I don't, I don't believe that about myself, so I don't want to write it. Um, I kind of have to be that encourager, hey, well, I can tell you you are loved and you are awesome, but I just write it down. You don't have to feel it, but sometimes if you think it, the feeling will come later. So with the kids, we do a lot of self-talk and, um, and just kind of like truth. What's the truth? Your parents do love you. They provide for you. They give you food. They Mm -hmm. give you a shelter. They take you to school kind of proving, Hey, my parents do care about me. So it's a lot of truth speaking and taking oh, thoughts captive. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of encouraging them to kind of shift the perspective a little bit. You know, kind of what you what do you focus on? That's a really cool thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know so much of what parents are dealing with today, and I'm sure you have to speak to this a lot, is just the addiction to screens and to screen time. And uh, I know, I mean, um, you you don't have kids uh, right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I know that in in times I've asked you before, you've kind of said, well, that, that a disclaimer, well, yeah, I've got to say I'm not a parent, so I can't, but in a lot of ways, I think that you not being a parent right now is a key because you're, you're seeing things in an objective way, uh, from a third party's perspective, kind of with Mm -hmm. the data in front of you and with what, what the research is saying. And, uh, as parents, man, I mean, I'm, I'm one right now, I feel, you know, I've said this to some of my friends, like no parent, no parent in it yet has had to deal with what we're dealing with when it comes to screen addiction. Uh, the fact that mm-hmm. our kids are really the first generation where they have at their fingertips um, the world in a seven inch screen and they can have access to any information. There's like videos all over the place. There's YouTubers, there's TikTok, there's Instagram. I mean, there's all these things that are out there. And, uh, and some of these things are even built in, it's, it's built into kind of being addictive by nature, but oh yeah, uh, what is your advice, I guess, to parents, uh, in regard to screens and to screen time? Okay. Um, you know, I, first of all, confession, we as adults have our own technology <laughs> struggles, yeah. that's for sure. So I'm oh, not above sure. that at all. Um, for sure. It's funny. You uh, brought a book called Tech Wise Family. You introduced yeah. it uh, maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah, a year, and, year and a half ago, I think, or so. Yeah, yeah. Yep. 
And that book made me really rethink my approach to technology. Um, yeah, that book has some, I recommend that. And if you, if you guys haven't read it, TechWise Family, it's great. Mm -hmm. But I think for myself and for kids and even when I, okay, so I have density sitting and there are still limits that have to be I get I understand it it's yeah. it's definitely sometimes you want to use the technology and it can be useful for connecting found it useful connecting during this time I know that we've been able to stream the YouTube and mm -hmm. so all that to say I'm not going to make technology a complete oh, villain it can't be the enemy I mean it's it's brought about great things you know uh like like you said I mean we we're able to talk right now you and me in different parts of the city um that's a, that's a great point yeah I think it's just limit setting for me and I challenged myself last week to go technology free for one hour or screen free that meant no mm. movie mm. no TV and that was hard but mm. I think mm -hmm. that struggle is hard I sat and had a conversation with mm -hmm. my housemates and that was fun <laughs> <laughs> that's cool yeah other times I might draw something or journal and I think it causes us to create. And if that's create deeper bonds, create new um, work. Mm -hmm. I think it's in those moments when we really get, or be in nature, we get to be more like our creator. Like I read another book talking about how God is the ultimate creator and mm -hmm. we create our lives. And since we're made in his image, we can use that tech free time to be creators. And like I said, if that's creating deeper bonds or creating actual content, such as, uh, let's say a piece of writing or a thought and yes, yeah, I just think setting limits and if it doesn't need to be an hour, it could be a limit of 15 minutes, a limit of 30 minutes, mm -hmm. whatever you can handle or manage to try to handle yeah that's really good advice i mean starting starting small and and then really uh you know because like like you said i think it's so easily to we have a lot of times we have forgotten the art of being bored and mm -hmm. uh especially children you know i think uh with so much external stimulus out there so much uh just ex you know there's there's movies there's all there's the, the YouTube, you know, there's all these things that are externally stimulating. There's music. And uh, I think that if they wanted to, they could spend so much of their time not bored. And uh, it's fun to see my kids, especially like recently I've been trying really, uh, Tara and I have been trying to goal. Hey, let's, let's see what happens when our kids are bored. Right. Yeah. And you know, you know, there's a little bit of a, a lull and they, they say complaints. Hey, can I do this? Hey, no, no, we're, we're not doing that right now. But usually, like you said, it's when it's in those times of boredom where magic, uh -huh. magic happens, like where there, there's creativity and innovation and a new game is formed or something is yep. drawn. Uh, but you don't get there until you're bored, which is I think uh, we as parents, we need to, I feel, and I, I, I hear that you're kind of agreeing with this. We need to, uh, we need to make our kids bored more. <laughs> you know, yeah. we need to bore our kids more. Like it's okay for them to be bored for a little bit because that's where the that's where the magic of creation happens. Yeah. Yes, and for us as adults, I think that quote unquote boredom or stillness could have the potential to bring us closer to God. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a practice. 
Yeah, I mean, does it say something where somewhere in scripture, you know, be still and know that I'm God? You know, it's just this idea that, and there's that story too in, in um, I think Joshua's on top of the mountain and he asked his, you know, hey God, show yourself, right? And, um, you know, he's waiting for a lightning. He's waiting for a massive storm. He's waiting for this, you know, loud sound from heaven. But all it was, was this gentle breeze. And that gentle breeze was, was how God was revealed to him. But you, you can't see those oh, wow. small details. And, you know, you can't see the, the you know, that when, when your life is always full of noise, you have to create that silence. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. And yeah, I think making it manageable, 10 minutes, 15, it can be done. And yeah, like you said, the art of being bored. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you too, just because uh, this is a very unique time in our history with um, just people are not in school, you know, and parents are having to kind of take on a greater role at the house. And as a counselor, you're kind of the, the bridge. You hear, you're, you're on the teacher's side. You hear what they're saying. But you're mm-hmm. also on the parent's side. You hear what they're saying. What are you hearing on both sides of that, the, that fence? Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm hearing teachers, I feel, uh, how do I say this? overwhelmed because they have been thrown into this new teaching dynamic. Um, But I also want to say that I think this offers teachers a quick professional development opportunity in how to reach kids in new and innovative ways. I think that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh yeah. My, my brother-in-law jokes that maybe when school returns, we'll take Fridays off and do at-home Fridays and turn it into a four-day school week when we return. Whoa, hey, elect him uh, for school board chairman, man. I like that idea. So I'm hearing that from the teachers. Um, but I also have friends that are teachers and mothers, and they are feeling overwhelmed as wow. well with the amount of schoolwork being asked of their, of their children's teachers. I know that parents are feeling overwhelmed too. I think they want guidance to best support their child. And I think everybody's just trying to do their best to figure it out. Now, I do want to, to be encouraging and say that I believe children are resilient. And I think that the time, and I said this earlier in the week, that I don't think students need to be focused on extreme academic learning. Mm-hmm. I almost don't even know that their brains are able to really do that right now with the stress. But oh, yes. Mm-hmm. If they feel like they're in a place for reading and reflecting, that's wonderful, but I think I don't think we need to get a lot of high anxiety over this. I yeah. think Oh yeah. We'll be out <laughs> in 5 weeks and we're going to all take a deep exhale when summer arrives. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is so true. But what a, what a message of hope, I think, really coming from you, someone who, with, with the authority to say, hey, you know, uh, love your kids, uh, be there for them, but let's not add to the stress right now. Um, let's not add to the, uh, the feelings of uncertainty and the, the feelings of anxiety. But as parents right now, do what you can, uh, show up and help them with this assignment. But really, ultimately, what's 
what's more important is um, just being there for your ch for child and creating really in your own ways creative learning opportunities, even if that might go against kind of the, the game plan or, or what the teachers have. In totally. And like you said, we're in an unprecedented time. So we are all pioneers at this at home learning in the country that's happening. But as a mental health professional, I do think that focusing on that safety for kids is the very most important part for all of us to remember. <laughs> do you think the teachers will get kind of upset though? Like if, if you know, the, the kids don't turn in all their assignments or I mean, what, what, do you think that will that cause a little bit of uh... Yeah, that's a great question. I think teachers are trying to meet their accountability standards, right? So who are their leaders? What are their leaders telling them is expected of them? So yeah. I know that in Dallas, and I don't know about other cities, but I know that in Dallas, one grade per week is the expectation. Mm. So yeah. that seems yeah. a little manageable. And if, if teachers are expecting other things, I think that's just a reflection of the stress they feel. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. You're right. And I want to give my, I want to, my heart goes out to these teachers too, because this is a curveball for them. You know I mean? They had their lesson plans. They had their year already ready to go. You know, they, they had, go, I mean, really, and I, I applaud all the teachers out there who've done such a great job and really in an effort, they've over, overdone themselves. And uh, I really appreciate all that they've been doing for my kids. I know for, for the kids all over Dallas. Oh, that's great to hear. That's great to hear. And like I said, everybody's trying to figure it out. But I do know that at-home learning is supposed to only take two to three hours a day. <laughs> so, oh, are you serious? All right, well. I just told. Wow. Well, I'm glad to hear it from the source, man, because uh, yeah. it has been a difficult adjustment. And, you know, the first week, I think uh, our kids, in an effort, for, I think for the, the teachers, really, they wanted to do a good job. They wanted the kids to be prepared. This is the first time. Well, I think in an effort to over-prepare, they just hammered our kids with stuff. And like the first week, all my kids, I mean, they were working till like 4 p.m. Uh, all you know, eight from nine to four, just on their assignments. And But over time, I think we've learned as parents. I think the, the teachers have learned. I think we've almost found a little bit of a harmony, which is a good thing. That's wonderful. And you have to understand also, John Mark, that in a city like Dallas, you might have children living at at the below poverty level oh, and true. so true they have maybe one laptop distributed by the school they can't each work on that for five hours so there have to there has to be flexibility when we think about our our city and our city's population and our city's learner Man. so and how have you uh you know real, real quick before we close video how have you been handling this i mean how are you doing and what kind of uh, spiritual questions are you asking right now? Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, I probably go back and forth between waking up some days and thinking, hey, this is kind of nice. I like that it's a little bit different. And I also do wake up with days where I do miss my routine. I miss my students. And I have to ground myself in gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... I just want to take the time where I am kind of forced to be planted be with my friends and with my people. Mm. But this has allowed me a little more reflection time with God 
And that has been a, a blessing that I didn't know was going to come this year, but I'm thankful for it. And I think that helps me manage my stress. I almost, almost started doing work stuff today. But Uh-oh. I told myself. No. Oh, no. Yeah. It's a <laughs> well, holiday. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I almost started, but I think it's, I don't know if it's Ben Franklin or Abraham Lincoln who has a quote. It says, I have so much to do today that I must spend. I think it's like two hours in prayer to start. Oh, the day. wow. That's <laughs> so cool. That's a good, that's a good Somebody quote. Like, we gotta find and it. I didn't two hours in prayer today, but, um, <laughs> but this does allow me to really lean on God and say, God, let me set my mind, not on the earthly things, but on your kingdom and your kingdom purposes. How can I be a blessing to the people in my household, in my mm-hmm. reach, in my circle of influence? So, and those things, feed my spirit and take care of me. I'm helping others. Beautiful. You know, I was reading this article just uh, yesterday. I think Dulcinea sent it to me. And in this article written by, I'm not quite sure who wrote it, but he addressed this time with a, a new phrase that I'd never heard before. And I really loved it. And I think I'm going to start using it to refer to this time. Because, you know, what do you recall this time? Is it is it the COVID? Is it, uh, you know, is it the you know, the, the stay at home and shelter in place season. But, uh, if you look at certain times in history, you know, the certain times have a name, you know, you have, you have the great depression or yeah. you have, you know, the Renaissance or you have and what do we call this? And he, in this article, he referred to this time as the great pause. And I thought, what, oh, a, cool, what a cool name for that. You know, like this is the great pause. Like when in history, Will we ever have again, or have we had earlier, where everything is paused? You can't leave your house. You have to stay there. You have to slow life down. Mm-hmm. And I think really, I, I, uh, I hope that um, you know, we can grow from this. And my last question for you, uh, Rio, is, because I know time is, I promise you a certain amount of time, and I'm coming up to that time. But um, what do you hope emerges from this great pause? Oh, yeah. Wonderful. And I do like that name, Pause. I hope that the church will be more open-minded and effective. And I, mm-hmm. I do think this presents a wonderful opportunity for the church to be not a building, but within us. And that is my hope that we will spread the gospel as a church to our neighbors. I've seen so many people be friendly to strangers that wouldn't normally happen. What I mean by that is, let's say you're sitting on your porch and you wave to a neighbor. I've actually met three new neighbors this past week that I'd never talked to ever (laughs) because I was on my porch. That is so cool. I love that. That is so cool. So yeah, that's my hope that the church will reset and know that um the church is in us and so that's what i hope happens i love it man so your hope is that um that the church from this we remember that it was never about the building it was never about the the mortar and brick and the pews uh but really the church is people out in the world living the gospel living the resurrection practicing resurrection And uh, I know I do miss my hugs and singing and hearing my church family for sure. And thank you so much, actually, for this past Easter 
service. The video you guys put together was so wonderful. It felt great to see. Awesome. I love it. It was, that really was, and uh, we need to do more of that. I think uh, just seeing the the faces, I know you're on the praise team. So, I mean, you're up there a lot, but uh, it was so comforting to just see. um, I agree. I want to thank you for that. Well, uh, it was, it's been really cool. You know, really, uh, this time has forced us to be more innovative. Uh, we didn't plan on all this stuff. Uh, just like the teachers haven't just like, Oh, you know, every profession has its, uh, we're all having to readjust, but in the realm of uh, spirituality and in church, you know, uh, we've really had to think of how to be creative and, and really I'm hoping that after the great pause that some of these things that we're doing online can also carry out into this new normal, but you know, we'll see. Oh, I believe they will. I believe they will. It, yeah. yeah. That has been a wonderful blessing. Well, uh, Rio, you're a blessing to so many, uh, at this church and to Dallas and to the kids, the 200 or the 418 kids that, you know, their first names and, uh, <laughs> really is uh, a joy. Thank you from the depths of the heart on behalf of Skillman. Thank you for taking some time to speak to us on your holiday. And uh, we really are are grateful for you and your energy and your positivity and the aura that you present and that you live. Um, And so thank you again. Uh, It really has been a blessing. Thank you so much, Jean-Marc. It has been all my honor to get to talk to you. Thank you. Hey, well, uh, make sure to shoot Rio a text message telling her how much you enjoyed this because this is a really, uh, it's great stuff. And uh, thank you again for listening in to uh, the Continuing the Conversation podcast here at Stillman. Uh, and have a great rest of the week. And we'll see you next week, Stillman family. God bless.